right, Jen. He's a 10 out of 10. He has a shit together. Okay. He's emotionally intelligent, great sense of humor, you know, a great dump truck. Gotta have the dump truck. Mm Mm-hmm. Your friends love him. Mm -hmm. Your family loves him. Tends across the board. Okay. But once a year and only once, his mother gives him a full bath. As in literally washes him in the bathtub head to toe. No. (laughs) Is he a yes or a no? So, I have a counter question. (laughs) Okay. Does he like it? Oh, fuck. I would hope not. (laughs) Because my initial reaction is to say hard no, Mm -hmm. never. But if he actually has all of the qualities that you're saying, Mm -hmm. I say, does he like it? Because if he likes it, no. (laughs) Nope. If he absolutely hates it, but like endures it and then doesn't speak to his mom for the rest of the year. Because I don't know how you could look someone in the face after that. Then maybe if, because I mean, there aren't uh, many fish in the sea. I mean, uh, I mean, if that is his worst quality. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on I mean, what at, mood I'm in. At least he's clean. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, gosh, I can't imagine my parents giving me a bath right now at like 27 years old. Oh, Oh, I'm just crawling in my skin. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's probably a no. Mm. Uh, Maybe under if he's like the last man on earth. Maybe. Mm. Hmm. So, if everyone listening now needs to take their own boiling hot bath to recover, (laughs) same, (laughs) you might want to wait, because that might have been the least stressful part of today's episode. We would also like to issue a blanket trigger warning at the start of this episode that it will contain descriptions of self-harm, domestic and sexual assault, pretty much everything rough. So, if that's not something you're in a place to listen to, that's absolutely okay. For everyone else who is dead inside and has nothing better to do, we've decided to bring out a big, juicy, old-timey, and axe-murdery case about a female serial killer who did her dirty, or shall we call them squeaky clean, deeds in the early 20th century Italy. For what some might say is the greatest love of all, a mother's love for her child. Ugh. Settle your lovely little butts in because it's time for the story of the Italian queen of spells and superstition, Leonarda Cincioli, the soap maker of Correggio. Lights out, campers. Oh man, the mountains call my number one. I'm just a life-size lottery ticket in the hand of the Leonardo Cinciulli was born in the south of Italy on November 14, 1893, in the province of Avellino. Her mother was a lovely young woman named Emilia Dinolfi and was considered one of the great and most desirable beauties in the tiny Italian town of Montella. Emilia's well-respected family, her beauty and glowing reputation, and her sizable dowry had pretty much sealed the deal for her as she approached marriageable age that she would have her choice of well-off suitors, 
and her life as a wife and mother would be extremely comfortable and happy. But tragically, young Amelia's life would take a dark turn one summer night at the hands of a man who decided that he was entitled to have whatever and whomever he wanted, even if it meant resorting to the worst type of violence. Mariano Cinciulli was basically the opposite of Amelia in every way. He was a drunk, he and his family were pretty much broke, he was getting old and gross. Mm. Same. <laughs> no, you're aging like a fine wine. Uh, thank you. Well, not my bones. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and he was strongly disliked among the Montella community thanks to reports of his cruel personality. So basically, he was the kind of suitor who Amelia would never cross paths with if she or her parents could help it. And both she and Mariano knew that he was light years out of her league. And Mariano hated Amelia for it. Ugh. Incel. Ugh. Hated her, but also like so many incels do, he believed he had some sort of entitlement to Amelia. And whenever he saw her around town, so obviously out of his reach with her beauty and wealth, his loathing turned into an obsessive desire to ruin her. I can just see this person in my mind's eye as being greasy and kind of like paunchy and he's got like yellowy teeth and you just tell that he's just gross around him because he's just a big pile of shit yeah and he's always that person that's like saying the cringy thing at the bar and the women have to be like "Ah, i have to laugh at this so he doesn't kill me like that Uh, Uh, Mariano Chinchuli, everyone. One summer night, Amelia was just leaving a dinner party where she had spent a lovely evening with one of her suitors. Eventually, she waved goodbye to her friends at the gate and began the short walk home alone, blissfully unaware that this would be the last night of true happiness she would ever have. Mariano had spotted Amelia several hours earlier headed to the party, and followed her, lurking in the shadows on the edge of the estate and getting shit-faced on a bottle of cheap wine. As soon as Amelia had gotten far enough along the road to be out of earshot of the party-goers, Mariano ran up, grabbed the stunned young woman from behind, and dragged her into a nearby field. Poor Amelia was so naive of the existence of dark-hearted men such as Mariano that she actually thought one of her friends was just playing a prank on her. Amelia's parents had also gone out of their way her entire life to keep her painfully innocent of anything to do with sex, beyond that it was something you did with your husband on your wedding night. So even when Mariano began tearing at her undergarments and forcing her legs apart, poor Amelia genuinely believed she was only being robbed. She writhed and screamed out in pain as Mariano raped her, crushing his hand over her mouth to silence her. When it was over, Amelia was so traumatized and in so much pain that it would be several hours after Mariano left her lying in the field before she managed to struggle to her feet and make her way home. She tried convincing herself that it had all been a terrible nightmare, but her party dress covered in mud, 
The searing pain in her abdomen and the streaks of drying blood on her legs told a very different story. And under no circumstances did she want anyone to find out. Amelia did her best to carry on with her social life and put the trauma of the rape behind her. But the color would drain from her face anytime she glimpsed Mariano wandering around town. And he took pleasure in knowing that the mere sight of him filled Amelia with terror. He is the worst kind of human being. Again, pile of shit. Yes. As the months went by, Amelia's mother was the first one to notice that certain things weren't appearing in Amelia's laundry like they normally did once a month. And before she had even begun to show, she was sat down and confronted by both her parents. Amelia refused to speak at first, but her parents threatened to go door to door in town until they found out who she'd slept with. And eventually, Amelia broke down and told them the name of the man who'd raped her. Uh. To Amelia's horror, the very next day she came downstairs to find none other than Mariano Chinchilli sitting with her parents at her very own table. Uh. We wish we could tell you, dear campers, that Amelia's parents had brought Mariano into their home so Amelia could look him in the eyes as he was drug away and thrown into a dungeon forever. Mm. But thanks to that wonderful age-old religious belief that the value of a woman is directly linked to whether or not someone with a penis will A. want them and B. quote-unquote possess them through marriage or else their other two options are to be labeled a whore or a spinster. The only door left open to Amelia was a swift, quiet marriage to her rapist if she had any hope of preserving her honor. God, this is so awful yeah we said this was going to be a bad one so sorry her parents suck too though like yeah i mean i get your i get customs i get strict religion like if that's all you're known but but the fact that they didn't educate her on anything to do with her yeah they failed her and then their immediate assumption is you dirty slut who were you sleeping around with when everybody knew her as being a upstanding quote-unquote pure wonderful person that just is shows how shitty of a parents they were that they didn't actually care about her and all they cared about was the appearance of her and they threw her right to the piece of shit yeah ugh man that's bleak (laughs) and with her bruises barely healed a now pregnant amelia was married and living in a hovel on the outskirts of town with a man who will come as no shock to anyone did not make any effort to work on himself once he became a husband mariano couldn't hold a job and their living conditions were so destitute that they couldn't even afford furniture and had to use an outdoor public toilet that was shared by the row of hovels on their street. Mariano was constantly drunk and would beat Amelia for the slightest perceived mistake in how she, quote-unquote, ran a house and would scream at her for her slowness and stupidity with housework claiming that it was an act of rebellion against him. 
It was a dark, lonely, and miserable life for Amelia. She had been raped, forced into an abusive marriage supposedly to preserve her purity, yet she was still totally condemned by everyone she knew and had become a hot subject of gossip for what happened to young women who gave in to their carnal desires before marriage. And worst of all, her own mother and once greatest ally and advocate now treated her with contempt. So if you're like, how the fuck does this make sense, let alone was allowed to happen, because common human decency should be enough to make us realize that it is horrifically wrong to legally bind the victim of a violent rape to their rapist, and to barely scratch the surface of answering that, we're going to break down for you one of Catholicism's most culturally influential concepts, the Madonna-Whore dichotomy. Essentially, the Madonna-Whore dichotomy is the lens through which men and ultimately society as a whole view women, either as Madonnas, meaning they are chaste, virginal, and worthy of being treated with honor because of their sexual purity, aka the Virgin Mary, the Madonna, and that purity then belongs to whatever man she ends up marrying, or she's a whore. And literally all it takes for her to be labeled a whore is for her to have sexual contact or even just rumors of a sexual relationship with a man who isn't her husband. It doesn't matter if she was raped. It doesn't matter if the sex was consensual between adults. Her purity has been compromised and she is a whore. The sexual activity of a man, however, is irrelevant. He can sleep with whomever he wants because, well, he's a man. And as everyone knows, he can't help himself. Ultimately, this is a construct of a patriarchal society in which men maintain positions of absolute power and control in government, in church leadership, in the workforce, the home, etc., etc., by having the exclusive ability to either destroy or protect a woman's reputation with sex. Examples of this dichotomy are all over art, literature, religion, entertainment, and everything that's existed since basically the start of recorded history. In some parts of the world, it's arguably better now, but for many women, it's really not. That's an incredibly simplistic breakdown, but there you have it. Amelia was never coming back from this scandal. Because, you know... Easy to pin the harlot, but yeah. not the piece of shit drunk who, you know, is is known for being a piece of shit and she's known for being a good girl. Yeah. But, oh, but what was she wearing? Was her ankles maybe showing a little bit when she walked home? Jen, what do you think about my ankles showing right now? Basement flooded. <laughs> I mean... But you're holding yourself back right now, and I'm very mm, proud of you. Thank you. Great restraint. I can only imagine the horror, not only of surviving that traumatic event, but then to have that pig then be in your house, at your table, in your safe space, and then to hear that you're going to have to marry him and go home with him and sleep in a bed with him. No 
wonder what goes on to happen with her goes on to happen. I mean, this is a true villain origin story. And it's not Amelia who does the killing, so. No. (laughs) No. Although I was rooting for her. (laughs) (sighs) So, after a long and agonizing labor, Amelia gave birth to her daughter, Leonarda. The decades that would follow might have been a completely different story if the arrival of the tiny baby had awoken in Amelia a chance to finally cultivate a tender relationship of love and security instead of shame, scorn, and violence. But sadly, the sight of young Leonardo only reminded Amelia of the comfortable and secure life she had been so close to having being violently torn from her. The Chinchillis would be thrown out of one living situation after another due to Mariano's inability to hold a job and pay rent. And if he wasn't gone binge drinking, he was at home beating and berating Amelia, who endured the abuse in silence until she could turn around and exert the same control over the one person in her life who was powerless against her, her own daughter, Leonardo. The young girl received just as much scorn, contempt, and abuse at the hands of her mother as Amelia did from Mariano, and the wretched family was locked in a hideous cycle of destitution and violence. One day, Mariano did not come home from one of his typical bouts of drinking, and eventually he was found at a friend's house in an alcohol-induced coma, from which he would never wake up. Bye, Mariano. Mm. Yes, I did say that with a smile on my (laughs) face. No, I do not feel bad. Night-night. At his funeral, with Leonardo standing beside her, Amelia could barely hold back a smile as townspeople filed past to pay their respects. Before the widow turned her back on Mariano's grave forever, she lifted her veil and spat on his headstone, telling her daughter, quote, that man was a pig and we're better off without him. Mm -hmm. With Mariano's passing, there was no love lost for her or little Leonardo. I love that mental image of her spitting on the headstone. It's so extra. Now I kind of want to spit on her for turning that hate onto her kid. I mean, it's such a, like, fucking sticky situation. (laughs) Isn't it so... Like, this is not anything new under the sun. Like, this is just the normal cycle of abuse where somebody who's in a position of power and authority abuses the person that is vulnerable and then they either take one of two directions where they don't abuse or they turn around and release it onto someone else and it's just so sad yeah and I'm sure this was not uncommon. Oh, hell. Like, it's not uncommon today. So, <laughs> it was... And there was nothing in place. Like, no social services. She had no her nothing. Her whole support system crumbled on her. Yeah. And that's not giving her a pass of what she did to no, her child. But, no. I mean, it just... Yeah, a shitty situation. Yeah. But, Mariana, whatever the fuck his name is, dead. Dead. That's a doornail. Now that she was no longer confined to their hovel, and during Mariano's violent outbursts, Amelia began leaving Leonardo alone in the evenings to go out dancing and drinking, 
hoping that she might catch the eye of a second husband who wasn't a complete piece of shit. She ended up marrying a man who didn't do much to change her and Leonardo's destitute living conditions, but he did lavish Amelia with expensive clothing and perfume, and he very much enjoyed having the beautiful woman on his arm, and this made Amelia extremely happy. However, she did not extend this happiness to Leonardo, who was left alone and hungry for hours on end, and whose existence was a constant reminder to her mother of the dark events that ruined the course of her perfectly planned life. The happier her second husband made her feel with gifts or whenever they were out drinking and dancing, the more Amelia despised Leonardo, and the beatings and loathing she poured out on her young daughter were unrelenting. In her short life thus far, young Leonardo had virtually no memories of joy and happiness. Thanks to the isolation and abuse she'd endured at the hands of her mother, she was consumed with anxiety and self-loathing, and before the age of 14, she would attempt to take her own life on two separate occasions. The first time, she was only 12, and she crafted a makeshift noose out of filthy bedsheets to hang herself, but the knots broke shortly after she jumped. Horrifically, the noose had crushed her larynx in the attempt, and Leonardo was unable to speak for days. But her mother didn't seem to even notice. Or if she did, she didn't care. As dark as it was, it was the point of Leonardo's failed second attempt to complete suicide that she began to think maybe it wasn't her fate to die just yet. Maybe the universe had a greater purpose for her after all. As she grew from a child to a young woman, Leonardo began to take on the same loveliness that had drawn men to her mother. It was all about them looks and that money. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it still is. So with the same loveliness as her mother, but without the tarnished reputation, and Amelia realized this daughter whom she'd loathed for her entire life might actually turn out to be her financial salvation. If she could find a good high society match for Leonardo, both Amelia and her husband could enjoy living comfortably off the generous pension from their wealthy son-in-law, which she would make sure was guaranteed before solidifying a husband for Leonardo. Finally, the door to high society was opening again for the disgraced Amelia Dinolfi, and she reveled in the attention of upper-class families interested in matching their sons with her beautiful daughter. She spent a great deal of time attending teas and parties and slowly narrowing down a list of possible suitors to find the one that would be of the most benefit to her, personally. Mm -hmm. Unbeknownst to Amelia, however, Leonardo was rejecting the social etiquette of the time and was (gasps) seeing a man unchaperoned. OMG, so dating him. You know, like little side hug, scandalous. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Seeing a man unchaperoned, too. (laughs) So, yeah. Seeing a man unchaperoned. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So that she might stand a chance at finally getting out from under the thumb of her cruel and self-obsessed mother. As she should. I'm going to get a shirt that says I like my men unchaperoned. In 1917... Leonardo had become quite serious with a young man named Raphael Pensardi. 
He was by no means the type of high society man that Leonardo's mother was courting for her without her own say whatsoever, but he was a good man with a low-paying but steady government job as a clerk, and basically a marriage to him was a giant welcome exit sign for Leonardo to finally get away from the decades of turmoil and abuse she'd endured at the hands of Amelia. When Amelia caught wind that Raphael had proposed to Leonardo, she scoffed at her daughter's stupidity. Why would she ever consider marrying anyone who wasn't incredibly wealthy, let alone do anything besides what her mother said was best? But at this point in her life, Leonardo was done bending to her mother's will and accepted Raphael's proposal. Amelia seethed with rage. Once again, the door to a life of high society comfort had been slammed in her face. Well, maybe if you'd included your daughter on your scheming and conniving. Maybe if you put your daughter before socialite. Yeah. Like life. I mean. Maybe if you hadn't beat the shit out of her for no reason when she was a toddler. Ugh. Ugh. At this point, I have no sympathy for oh, Amelia. no. Because when people who go through horrible things like she did, mm -hmm. and then, like we talked about last episode, and basically every episode, and then there's always a moment where you have a choice as a fully grown human being to decide what you're going to do with what's handed to you. And yes, what you've been through is horrible, but you don't turn around and inflict that onto your child. No. Like, this is your chance to redeem something good in your life, to enjoy and loving them and protecting them. And my sympathy for her is like, no, you just were given a shit deal, which yeah. is shitty, but the evil, you just let it consume you, and yeah. then you put it into the world. Yeah. And it's just... Ugh. To then be able to look at no matter the circumstances which they came into the world mm -hmm. that was horrible but once Leonardo was there when she was born when she was in Amelia's arms that is your precious baby and then to be able to look at that baby and be like I hate this tiny life so much that's Ugh. And I can't truly imagine that feeling because thankfully I have a child with a man I love. Yeah. It's... Ugh. Not saying that like any child deserves it, but like no. I wish she was given other options. Right. Yeah. That And that's also a huge tragedy is that her and so many women like her were in those cycles of horrible abuse and addiction and violence and they had no way out. So it doesn't mean it was okay, but you see why it happened over and over and As over. As a person, you can resonate with the grief that yeah. she's feeling. Yes. Yeah. But as a person, you can be like, okay, you're mm -hmm. still a bitch. Yeah. And you continue to be a bitch. Yes. And because there were plenty of people who went through the same thing and did not unleash beatings and abuse and horribleness upon their children. So just, no, you, you can't ever, ever, ever sit me down and have a conversation, debate with me of how it is okay to abuse a child. Exactly. Never. Yeah. That's just not a debate. Right. Anywhere. Right. There's very few things in this world that are truly black and white, but for me, that is one of them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yep. As Leonardo expected, Amelia did not bother to attend her wedding to Raphael, but she didn't just leave it at that. After the ceremony, when Leonardo came back to their dark hovel one last time to gather her belongings, Amelia looked at her daughter in the face and placed a curse on her marriage. Mm. This is so creepy, but also... I don't know what she actually said. I couldn't find that anywhere. All the sources just said she placed a curse. So that's all we know is that whatever she's... And maybe she just said your marriage is cursed. Mm -hmm. But whatever she did, wasn't good. Ooh, I don't know. Leonardo's blood froze with horror. This was the worst thing her mother could have possibly done. Because even though she was leaving her mother's sharp tongue and cruel hand behind, a curse was something that would follow her forever. Leonardo, like so many other people at the time in the earliest 20th century, Italy, took superstition and spells incredibly seriously. I mean, same, still. Yeah. Ugh. And whatever its actual power, the giving of her mother's curse would forever drastically influence Leonardo's convictions about herself and those she loved through the lens of the delicate and some would say dangerous world of the occult. Mm -hmm. That is the ultimate don't fuck around and Uh -uh. find out. No. Mm -mm. No, ma'am. Cursed or not, the nervous disposition that had been baked into Leonardo after decades of her mother's abuse made what should have been the happiest time in her life incredibly difficult for the newly married couple. From day one, Leonardo would completely fall apart into sobs and trembling if she accidentally burned food, broke a dish, or stained her husband's clothing. And Raphael, who is an extremely kind and even-tempered man, was completely at a loss for what to do. All he could say was to reassure his incredibly damaged wife that everything was all right, and eventually, his consistent kindness and absence of the violent explosions that Leonardo had been accustomed to her whole life might have finally made her realize that she was safe. But Amelia's curse was always there, dark and heavy in the back of Leonardo's mind, and she just knew that an unforeseen doom was waiting around every corner. In the first few years of her marriage, Leonardo's anxiety only grew worse and worse until she began to have violent seizures whenever she became distraught, and in her mind, the onslaught of the seizures were her mother's curse finally taking hold. And while it's believed now that what Leonardo most likely suffered from was epilepsy, she refused to go to a doctor, because in her mind, she was cursed. So what was the point? Unfortunately, things weren't much better for Raphael. He loved Leonardo deeply, but thanks to so many of his superiors at work having ties to high society, many of whom disapproved of his match to Leonardo, he would be passed over again and again for any sort of raise or advancement. One day, a traveling fair with a palm reader came to Montello. Leonardo's mother had always instilled terror in her for the traveling Romanis and their occult practices most likely due to that good old Catholic indoctr- indoctr- indoctrination. <laughs> indoctrination. Well, that any sort of spiritual guidance that didn't come from the church was the devil. But it also was known among the town that when the sacrament and confession 
just weren't cutting it, you could always turn to the local fortune teller. Mm-hmm. I'm also kind of weary about that. Yeah. Not that I believe in it, but that I don't want some bitch holding my palm, looking in my <laughs> eyes and <laughs> guessing I, my future. I believe in it to the extent that I believe in other things, mm-hmm. that I believe that spiritual realm mm-hmm. is real and that we're not necessarily meant to mess around with it and so if you start pushing into that realm that we're not really meant to mess around with you can like i kind of compare it yeah Yeah, like i compare it to a ouija board Uh yeah no yeah and i think that you can do things in a very positive sense Mm -hmm. like things that bring i i don't I barely know anything about that whole world, so I don't want somebody to come at me and be like, I love my crystals. I'm not... Awesome. I'm not, That's cool. Di- yeah, I'm not dissing all of that. I'm just saying that I don't understand it, and I don't feel the need to involve myself, like, try to involve myself in it, because I could see myself becoming one of those people that would get, like, obsessive oh, with yeah. it. And so it's best to just... I, d- I, I completely agree. Yes. Like, invite good things into my life by putting out positive energy into the world and then try to leave it at that. Unless somebody deserves negative energy. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe that's why I, <laughs> I have a lot of negative energy because I think of all the times I'm driving. I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> somebody moves too slow. And, I'm like, and then you lean asshole. over your shoulder and you're like, I'm sorry, baby. Mommy loves you, Camden. Literally. <laughs> When Leonarda first approached the palm reader, she was turned away, but she begged and pleaded, and finally, the palm reader reluctantly led her into the tent. Okay, this indicates to me that this palm reader was not playing, and that they knew what was up. Exactly, because, because it's like... they must have read her immediately and been like, ooh. A walking no, 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 dumpster no, no, no. fire. Yeah. I I don't want to destroy her by telling her the truth. Or just like, again, if you believe in that like stuff, just imagine the evil surrounding yeah. her. Yeah, if you have a, a sensitivity to that stuff, which I just said is like, I don't mess around with that stuff, which I purposely <laughs> don't. But we have talked before about how both of us are very sensitive to the energy of people and mm-hmm. places and have uh those types of dreams that you have Girl, a dream we and love then to things hear it happen. like we want to hear your stories yes. and stuff we want to hear it but yeah. like am i gonna purposely mess with it no no yeah but yeah they turned away money they pay they turned away a paying customer which right. to me is like oh dixie yeah. chick serious and the palm reader after reluctantly leading leonardo into the tent had not even taken hold of Leonardo's hands before she threw herself at the table and screamed, Am I going to die? After peering closely at the young woman's hands for some time, the reader looked up and said, No, you're not going to die. Not for a long time. Relief washed over Leonardo. Her mother's curse did not have the hold on her that she'd feared. But relief quickly turned to horror when the next words out of the Romani woman's mouth were, 
You're going to live a long life full of sadness. You will outlive every one of your children. Gosh. That palm reader's butthole was probably puckering as she (laughs) said those. Oh, gosh. Be like, I gotta take her up to the highest mountain and then I gotta drop her down. Oh, gosh. She couldn't have just opened with that. Like, you're going to live a long life full of sadness. I mean, could she just not have, like, could she have lied to her? Could she have punched her in the face and said, leave me alone? Like, yeah. Oh, gosh. Fuck. Oh, man. So I'm sure Leonardo wasn't feeling too good after that. Yeah. In the years that followed, Leonardo's anxiety would make it incredibly difficult for her to hold down a job thanks to her bouts and fits and seizures. She desperately wanted children, and her mother had always told her that the women in her family were unusually fertile, but it would be three years into her marriage before she had finally become pregnant. Her initial happiness over the new life growing inside of her quickly turned again into extreme anxiety, with the threat of her mother's curse always sitting in the back of her mind, and she suffered a traumatic miscarriage just three months into her pregnancy. Thanks to her poor education on sex and pregnancy, she had no idea what was happening to her from a medical standpoint. And this just convinced her all the more that the loss of her pregnancy was a direct result of her mother's curse. When we, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit before, maybe not, but I think that part of the reason why Leonardo put so much weight in this curse from her mother so if you think about it her mother was really the only person that had this major position of power and influence in her life for her whole life Mm -hmm. because she isolated her and kept her in that nasty hovel and really Leonardo didn't have another adult authority figure besides her mother so all she knew was that power and control from her mother so anything her mother said to her was going to carry a great deal of weight it was the truth yes she was very poorly educated just because of being a woman during the time and because i'm sure her mother did not go out of her way to educate her and if superstition already had a lot of weight then the combination of all of those things for her would make her all the more susceptible to Mm -hmm. latch on to anything in that world of the occult because you want answers and explanations for why things are happening around you. And if you don't have a knowledge of science, of, of just the basic workings of like, fucking sex and how you have a baby then of course you're going to be very obsessed with these quote-unquote powerful words that are given to you by people that you are told are powerful so it makes you wonder if she had had any sort of decent education or just a decent parent that I'm sure her anxiety would have been way less to begin with, but maybe this concept of curses wouldn't have been such a big deal. 
And then pregnancy on its own is just... Oh, my gosh. Whether you know... I mean, we have apps now, books. Oh, yeah, Went to the doctors. And I was still, like... Yeah. Clueless. It's still overwhelming. It's it's wild. It's a wild ride. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's a shame she had to go through it alone, kind of. (laughs) And her poor husband, who seems really sweet and kind, was probably just like, oh, (laughs) God. (laughs) Just going to sit in the corner and smoke my pipe and say, there, there. Step over her body like the Wilhelms would. Oh, Are you uh, okay? Um, I'm uncomfortable by your your sickness. By your death. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh. I always give my husband so much shit because I started choking at a family function while sitting on a blanket with approximately five other immediate family members. And I wasn't just choking. I'd open my mouth to take a bite of food and a bug <laughs> flew, like, kamikaze into <laughs> the back of my throat. And I immediately started coughing and vomiting. <laughs> and none of them, I'm not joking, oh my none of them so much as looked up from their plates. <laughs> they were in survival mode, yeah. Jen. They and, were eating. And it wasn't that they were being malicious it was that they genuinely didn't notice i was afterward i was like y'all i was concerned i needed the heimlich yeah you're like blue in the face (laughs) and they were just like well well you didn't say anything i was joking you assholes (laughs) fucking hell and again the ignorance of basic first aid loss on huh oh man Uh. And it just shows you how easily the human body can be brought down. A fly almost brought me down that day. <laughs> You're still here to tell the story. And even if your husband is sitting right beside you, he may not do anything. <laughs> oh. Anyways. After the miscarriage and with things at Raphael's job not improving, the couple agreed that it was time for a fresh start. In 1921, they put 100 miles between themselves and Montella and bought a small house in southern Italy in Raphael's hometown of Laura Laura Potenza. Of Laura Pontenza. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I hated popcorn in high school. I just love how you nodded and I was like, Laura Potenza. And you're just like, Loria Potins just confidently said the exact opposite. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Oh. Being in a new place so far from the dark memories associated with her childhood and having the stability from Raphael's work and the kind extended family nearby made Leonardo think that maybe her husband was right. She wasn't cursed. She just suffered from a nervous disposition, and maybe now they could start trying to build a family again. She's just a hysterical woman. (laughs) She's like, huh. (laughs) Maybe I am just hysterical. In 1922, Leonardo gave birth to a strong and healthy baby boy who she named Giuseppe. He was perfect in every way, and her pregnancy had been joyful and without any complications, just like she'd always dreamed. Finally, she had escaped any lingering fear of Amelia's curse, 
and she resolved to do whatever it took to give her beloved son the absolute best life he could have. And in her mind, there was no better security she could give him than what her family had so desperately needed when she was a child, money. When she wasn't doting on Giuseppe, Leonardo picked up shifts bartending and cleaning in local taverns and saved everything she earned. Giuseppe was growing up healthy and happy, and after a little while, the couple decided it was time to start growing their family again. But tragically, it seemed Leonardo hadn't managed to escape her mother's curse after all. She would become pregnant, then miscarry. Pregnant, then miscarry, over and over again. Sometimes she would carry her pregnancies to full term and give birth to seemingly healthy babies. But without fail, after a few months or a year or two, they would fall ill and die. Her anxiety and obsession with the health of her children during these years of miscarriage and death cannot be understated. Her every waking moment was devoted to obsessively watching her children for any sign of illness or danger, and the grief over their deaths would consume her. She would tear chunks of her own hair out and stare at her children while they slept and would shake them awake constantly to check their breathing. Ugh, I can't imagine. Ugh, so Because I definitely did the whole watching Camden sleep. I oh, still do it, same. but I still, yeah. especially when he was like new newborn, I would have to just shake him. And if he falls asleep in the car, I have to yell to make sure that like he's moving. Yeah. I completely understand you're I think it's just a part of being a mom Absolutely. and only and sometimes we don't know when we've like crossed the threshold into what is normal new motherhood and what is actual like postpartum anxiety or depression because I think it looks different for every person mm -hmm. but there is no doubt in my mind that she was like maxed out on oh, yeah. both PPA and PPD like <sighs> and who wouldn't be if they kept dying for no reason I yeah. mean what a rough time to try <laughs> to be having kids mm. and with every fresh wave of grief at the loss of another child Giuseppe became even more of a miracle to Leonardo and she helicopter mommed him to the extreme refusing to even let him go outside by himself so he would never be out of her sight. And we can't really blame Leonardo because at this point she had suffered multiple miscarriages and six of her babies had died in their infancy. Oh, Aside gosh. from Giuseppe, her life as a mother had been a waking nightmare. Ugh. That's so sad. Raphael had always been extremely kind and patient with his wife. And he knew that she married him for love because his wages were not nearly as much as she could have had with a high society husband. But he was becoming increasingly concerned with her crippling obsession with the health of their children. She genuinely believed that the curse hovered over them, waiting to snatch them from her hands if she wasn't being vigilant at every moment. And the longer she spent isolating herself and the children the deeper she spiraled into paranoia and alarm. On top of that, multiple mouths to feed meant the family was in need of more money, 
and Raphael hoped to kill two birds with one stone by gently suggesting that Leonardo A, take a job that would provide them with an extra income, and B, get her out of their house and give her something else to put her mind on besides her obsession with their children's health. Raphael was able to secure Leonardo a job as a night cleaner for a local bank. And unlike her previous jobs of bartending and cleaning tables in noisy local pubs, which caused her a great deal of anxiety, the quiet calm of the bank at nighttime turned out to be the perfect job for Leonardo. It wasn't much money, but she found it extremely peaceful and developed a new skill that she found she took a great deal of pleasure in, experimenting with various raw materials to make soap and detergent for making the bank spotless. Just when it looked like some stability and balance might be returning to Leonardo's mind, a last wave of tragedy would push her over the edge of sanity. In 1927, in the wee hours of the morning after a night spent cleaning the bank, Leonardo returned home to learn that their tenth child had died in their sleep. That was the final straw for Leonardo. They had to get out of the city, away from the rapidly spreading diseases that were crawling everywhere, and into the fresh air. She needed serious money right away. Money that could pay for a doctor who would come by at the first sign of illness, and a way to keep herself close at home to her children. As she racked her brain for a way to make this happen, she suddenly realized that she already had everything she needed right at the bank, which she had all to herself each night when she cleaned. She simply waited, opened a ledger, and created a fake account for herself with an amount that she considered suitable for their family to relocate, start fresh, and afford medical care whenever they needed it. For Leonardo, this was a no-brainer. Having that money meant life or death for her remaining children. I can't say... I blame her. Oh, hell no. At this point, she hasn't hurt anybody. She's, it's not right to steal from a bank, but. Fuck the bank. Your freaking mother child has died. Exactly. What parent deserves to watch their children die? Not one, not two, not three, four, five, ten. Yeah. And shit, at that point, I would believe I was cursed too, even if nobody had put a curse Mm. on me. I can't even imagine what I would have done. So. And now, with the medical interventions that we have, she would be told, you probably need to stop trying to have kids. Right. Like, let's get you a surgery. Let's adopt. Let's do something else if you really want kids. Yeah. (laughs) But right, you know what I'm thinking? Birth control. Where's the Catholic Church now? Right, exactly. Where's the church you know the catholic church that is so anti-birth control and like it's just sad she had to you know oh the catholic church does come back into the picture here in the next couple of minutes we'll we'll see yay unfortunately her fraud account did not go unnoticed by bank officials and in a matter of days she had been found out and was escorted from the bank by police in order to protect the reputation of Raphael whom, if you remember, was the one who found her the job. She insisted that she had acted completely alone and told the police that she had been, quote-unquote, seized by madness. She would spend 18 months as a prisoner in a bleak reformatory for criminal women 
run by Catholic nuns. Ding, 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 ding. There's a Catholic church again. So real quick, I wanted to do a sidebar on this because it's super interesting because I love weird history stuff like this. And I'm always super fascinated slash creeped out by the whole concept of nuns being involved in everything all the time throughout history mm-hmm. and things that were in a ways that weren't good like catholic nuns never have i not heard them involved in a story where they were not a horrendous abuser or just straight up mean violent and not to say there aren't good ones out there because there exactly yes there certainly are but they historically have a reputation for being heinous in these facilities that were like orphanages reformatories um in this case which i wanted to talk about really quickly a prison reformatory that the italian catholic church actually created for women Mm -hmm. to serve prison sentences and they created this place because they wanted at one point, my understanding is that men and women were at the same facility, which was going really poorly because the facility was super shitty. And I don't need to get into all the reasons why that was really bad. But the Italian government was like, okay, we need to separate men and women in the prison system. And so the Catholic Church was like, hey, we'll take your female prisoners over here. And so they put them in this reformatory that was run by nuns and these nuns were apparently freaking brutal like and these would be these weren't the women who were like super violent criminals this was like young women unwed mothers people who were like committing petty crimes like fraud or um were prostitutes or whatever and they would punish them with horrible physical abuse they would extend their sentences for no reason other than they felt like it and they basically forced them to do hard labor in utter silence and were like well this is what the church thinks is going to be good for you so yay you're here now yikes yeah i mean i took care i did home in-home health care and mm-hmm. we can do this story on a different day mm-hmm. but she was an orphan in spain oh what? an orphan at it and nuns ran it and everything and she sweetest lady oh my gosh oh huh. did she give you tea on the oh, nuns? Hell yeah oh yeah we'll to touch on that later oh yes well that just makes me feel better for dragging on the nuns because mm-hmm. man Again, that's not to say that there are not or were not amazing nuns, but we're just saying Uh, that historically overall, the reputation is not good. And these are shitty nuns, so we're going to shit talk them. Yeah. These nuns are sinister. Fortunately for Leonarda, she had plenty of experience in tiptoeing around abusive women. And while many female prisoners would have their sentences extended for no reason other than a nun felt a little bit cunty that day, 
Leonardo would only serve her original 18-month sentence before being released into the custody of Raphael. Through this whole ordeal, the one thing that gave Leonardo the will to go on was her precious son, Giuseppe. He was her entire world, her true purpose for living, and the only child who'd managed to escape the curse that Leonardo was more convinced than ever was real. The shame and scandal that Leonardo's fraud had brought on their family meant that, once again, they needed a fresh start. So they packed their bags, and Leonardo was resolved that, this time, things would be different. A fresh start. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ooh. And that is where we are going to put a pause on this episode for today. You've pretty much gotten the whole very depressing and traumatic backstory of Leonardo Cinciulli. And in our part two next week, we are going to be giving you her full on escalation into soap maker. Yay! <laughs> uh. But a special kind of soap. Mm. Not so, lavender. Yeah. Maybe she did throw a little bit of lavender in there, but she threw some other things in there too. And we're going to get into all of it and it's going to be gross. <laughs> in the meantime, we have another Patreon shout out we need to give to my wonderful friend, Courtney, who became a Patreon subscriber this month. Courtney is one of my dearest and best friends. I have known her quite literally since before I was born because our mothers were very close and when they were pregnant with us. So she is a true soul sister and we go way back. Thank you so much, Courtney. You are amazing. I love you and your support means everything to us. So you guys can go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Campiness Cancelled. Send us an email at campinesscancelled at gmail.com with case suggestions or we would love oh yes some personal stories yes. you know true crime paranormal creepy you know all things that go bump in the night yes we would love to hear it and courtney i'm talking to you there's stories that i heard mm. that i need written oh yes yeah courtney we know you have some stories and feel free to send us a voice note if that's Ooh. easier or write it up in a nice paragraph or two. We would really love to get you guys, our listeners, involved. So, yes, like Caitlin said, once again, send us your stories in a voice note. However you do that, I guess, Instagram DMs or an MP3 pot. Yeah, MP3 yeah. file would MP3 work. File. Okay, yes, to campinguiscanceled at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you guys. And if you want to shout out like our lovely friend Courtney, mm -hmm. you can go ahead and follow us on Patreon at Campina's is Cancelled. Yes. Uh, and yeah, we'll catch you back here next week. <laughs> catch you back here. <laughs> catch you back here. Catch you. <laughs> Lights out, campers. Bye. Bye.